know, you know that noise when you pour a bottle of wine, the kind of... It's my favourite noise in the world. Very good. Very good. (laughs) Yeah, that's because she's an alcoholic. Hi folks and welcome to the Reload Podcast. My name's Connor McCann and with me is... Lee Maxwell. And via video link we have... Hey Joel. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, change of format slightly. Instead of recording from the Reload Bunker, we're recording from the Reload Country Mansion, aka Lee and I's house. And South Fork. South Fork, Dallas. <laughs> so we have... Uh, We've had to get Nigel to phone in to join us for the evening, simply because health, health, health and safety isolation procedures, Connor. Yeah, we're we're on total lockdown at the minute, or we should be anyway. So we're being responsible people. So just to kick things off, seeing as we're all locked down in isolation, plenty of time to do things. What have you all been up to? Working from home. <laughs> I don't think Lee's left the house in days. Last Saturday was the last time I was anywhere other than the house in the backyard. Yeah, that, that's pretty rough. What about you, Nigel? Well, I work uh, in Belfast Docks, and we're termed as essential workers in my job. So we're still working, but they're reducing our team sizes and reducing contact with the public in our day-to-day. They've also stood us down from night shift and stuff like that. So, yeah, a lot more time spent at home, basically. Did you ever feel like you were an essential member of staff before this? Absolutely. I, I went to work every day thinking the world's going to stop if I don't go to work. And now, now <laughs> you've learned that it will. <laughs> well, I, I've kind of taken advantage of this and it has taken the apocalypse to happen for me to actually work on a car again. Well, that is, that's big steps. It is. And I've sort of got a feel for it again, which is great. Um Everything I go to touch in that Bora is a disaster, and changing the battery was no no different. The battery clamp, someone had rounded the bolt holds the clamp in, and had to use the impact gun and a screwdriver wedged underneath the clamp to get the bolt out. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it actually contacted yourself about getting a battery tray for it, and obviously we can't leave the house, so that's not going to happen. So I bought one off Stevens Volkswagen in England on thursday morning and it arrived on friday morning i think it was i hope, I hope you sprayed it with that all oh yes give it a good lick first though <laughs> so yeah spent friday afternoon doing that and done some plumbing outside the house sort of got the waste plumb down into the drains which was good so i'm actually getting something done which is nice maybe it's just a quick yeah. quit work all together it's, it's quite tricky when you're used to being out and being active and being busy all the time from going from 100 mile an hour to 10 mile an hour it's it's hard to process in your head i was just talking to you about it earlier it's just the head wrecker being stuck indoors as such you know and sorry anyone that knows you will know that you're always on the go 24 7 so something like this happening is bound to affect your affect your head anyway i think i'll have to reduce my monster energy intake from 15 tons a day to about two to try and wean me down you know yeah because i'm pretty sure you live on that stuff that's how you run well i'd, ra- I'd rather go by that than covid 19. well fair <laughs> enough yeah <laughs> i have to say though i've been keeping an eye on social media for what people have been up to during this lockdown and a few of our listeners 
are definitely uh, inspired by the lockdown, shall we say. So yeah. it's wonderful when you can't actually go and buy something or get your hands on something, what you can come up with. And I have to say, a neighbor of yours, Borley, who's a listener of ours, did you yeah, see Did yeah. you see that he cut his grass the other day? Yes, I did. And did you see how he strimmed around the edges because he couldn't get a strimmer? Yeah. He, he put the strimmer cord inside a grinder and went around the edges on his hands and knees. <laughs> Better girls would be proud of him. Oh, it's perfect. And Stefan, a good friend of ours, he has a Cleo track car. It was looking a bit mouldy after lying up for a while. So to take the mould off, he sprayed all-purpose cleaner all over it and put the patio attachment onto the power washer and ran it over the car. Apparently it didn't help that much. <laughs> Apparently it didn't take it off, so it must be some super strong mould. <laughs> oh, just... oh, hold on, somebody let the dog I hear devil dog. Oh, no, the devil dog's back. Oh, get out of here, come on. Yeah. Come on, up you go. <laughs> pod dog, see you later. Fuck off, pod dog. <laughs> Look, he's raging. You hear him? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. There we go. Pod dog's away. Just for this free time, I've just sort of... I sat down, actually, yesterday. and just sat down with a notebook. I'm just... Sort of jobs I've been putting off for ages. I've just made a list. There'll be a lot of, a lot of jobs around the housebound, hopefully. The only thing is, I haven't got stuff to do some of the jobs, so... Yeah, I think that's a bit of a killer, that you can't actually go and buy tools or materials if you need them. Hardware stores are meant, remain open, but... See that minute. You don't really feel like going anywhere. Yeah, you're right. Tesco's and things like that, I've been avoiding totally. I just buy my stuff at a garage, you know, fill the car up with petrol at the same time, buy a few groceries, and that does you until the next time you need them. I, I'm I'm trying to stay away from the supermarkets now because they're just grim. I think the best means of attack now is we have a local butcher, a local bakery. We have set up a, an account for the bakery, so we're going to get deliveries every three or four days. And the bakeries or the butchers click and collect, just go in there and buy a week's worth of meat. And then there's a good uh, petrol supermarket in Cumber, and we just go in there and get milk and bread essentially and out and away. So you're telling me that there's a bakery that will deliver you buns? Correct. <laughs> I live I live in the wrong area. <laughs> There's every that's what the the businesses in Cumber that and Newton Arts that's they basically said to survive we'll have to deliver. Yeah, it's wonderful to see though those companies and businesses having to adapt and that they can adapt and it still allows you to shop and support local. After this has been and gone, I would like to think people will look at local businesses in different light because of the offers or the the way they're supporting the local community. Yeah, a lot a lot of these bakeries and butchers. They're helping out the food banks and they're helping out local elderly too in their day to day. Like it's not as if they're just money, money, money. It's great to see. Definitely is. The only problem is, as you know, people have short memories. Well, this is very true. Yeah, very true. But hopefully they'll learn that you need to support local people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think over the last few years, people have been supporting like farm shops and stuff like that there because they know they can get better stuff out of it. This will maybe focus them a bit more. At the end of the day. Money's money, and if money's tight, you can't sometimes can't afford to get the dear stuff, you know. Well, that's it. Yeah, definitely. The people will shop where they can afford to. I think in the next few months, money will get even tighter. Well, there you go. <laughs> Grim news. Yeah, smile, cheer up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've sort of been in partial lockdown or sort of restricted work and all the rest. I think I've been listening to a lot more podcasts, YouTube stuff like that there. Yeah, I actually signed up to the Disney TV channel there during the week. Yeah, me too. I started working my way through the Marvel Universe cinema. Thing <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I actually looked up order of viewing just to make sure I got it right. Yeah, yeah same. That's the exact same thing that we've been doing. 
think you start with Iron Man 1, then Iron Man, Iron Man say that correctly, Iron Man 2, Iron Man yeah, I think you start with Iron Man 1, first of all. I, I think, think it is, works. yeah. Well, it, it depends whether you want to watch it in release order or chronological order. Have I been watching it wrong? <laughs> now, now you know that Lee's a nerd. Well, Captain America is set in the 40s, so it's definitely first chronologically. Then Captain Marvel in the 90s. And then you go through Iron Man and so on. But It just gives you a good excuse to watch them twice. Yeah, well, we'll have a lot of time to watch Well, it's the like place, the age-old so. question. What order did you watch Star Wars in? original trilogy and then prequels or chronologically yeah i think i'd have to watch it in the prequels and sequels answers on a postcard folks i think you're right actually i would watch the star wars trilogies in chronological order i've watched two of the cap america movies i actually found them very good i was surprised how good they were had you not seen them before no no the the winter soldier is my favorite of the whole marvel series i just watched that yesterday it's like kind of it's darker than the rest of them there's more depth to it. Like, yeah. As much as as much as the rest they're decent. But Captain America is more of a story. More more depth to it. And Scarlett Johansson's in it. Well, that's always a bonus. It is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, other news this week. MOT extension for six months was great news from Edison thirty. Did it Even work out? Probably not be allowed to drive for six months. Yeah, well at least if you take the chance they can't do you for no no MOT or no insurance. Apparently they're automatically sending out the MOT extension search, so that's good news. Well, I can't confirm whether I did or did not chance my arm at this, so if it if it works, I'll let you know. My Sirocco's up in May, and I got the reminder letter the other day, but I went on and looked it up, and it said that they can't issue the extension certificate if you haven't had an appointment cancelled. So I booked mine, and I'm waiting for them to come back and cancel it. So what does that mean for me, that my MOT runs out in April then? I think you need to go on and try and book it. And then once you have a date and they cancel it, they'll give you the extension. From what I read online, I, I, as I say, nobody really knows, but... They're still wanting their money then? <laughs> well, I think they'll refund it once it's cancelled, but you actually have to book it first. To be honest, and as everything with them, I think that they're just making it up as they go along. Yeah, yeah much so like Boris and his government. Yeah, just wing it and see what happens. Well, somebody said, Boris, four weeks ago, Boris said, oh, it's not going to be a problem, I'm going to shake hands with everybody I meet. Four weeks ago, he said that. Yeah, how did that work out for him? Well, man. Any other news, Connor? Anything to report? Surprisingly, we actually have a bit of show news. Someone, again, a bit of ingenuity off the back of all this terribleness, and the New England Dust Off has decided that this year they're going to run, but it's going to be a virtual show. So I know we had uh, messaged about this off air, and that you're going to enter, I'm going to enter, Lee, yeah. you're going to enter. Yeah. They still haven't sent any emails if you register yet to them? No, not not yet. I think they're still working on the background on this, the format that it's going to take. And It's, it's May, is it? It's on the 26th of April. Oh, it's sooner than that, right? Okay. Yeah, so the premise is that you'll enter the cars a bit like the Dubshed entry system where you submit the entries and the photos and your description. It'll be uploaded onto like a, their original show takes place around Thompson Race Circuit. So there's a layout of that and you kind of virtually walk around, click on the cars and it'll bring up descriptions of the cars and the pictures and then all the judging will be done online and there'll be spots for vendors for, say, like Reload, how to stand at it. They can go on and it links them to all their stock. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I think it's such a great idea. It's a really original idea, but <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it does. But I think from the sounds of it, it's going to be really good. And the beauty of it is, because everyone's sitting at home with nothing to do, there's no reason not to go for it. Yeah, you can yeah. put it up on your big TV screen and do it from there as well. 
it's great to see somebody doing it, and I fully support it. That sounds brilliant. Uh, funny to say about nobody has no excuse not to view it. There's a comedian I listen to from Northern Ireland, and he started out at the start of this year, Shane Todd, actually. Um, he uh, started a new type of podcast where he interviews people, and he's been able to interview everybody at the moment, because nobody can come up with an excuse to say they're too busy. Oh, fair but enough, he, actually, yeah. <laughs> He is interviewing, he, he has interviewed John Lennon, you know, Mae McFatridge? Yeah. Julian Simmons, Jim Owen, you know Jim Owen? Oh, yeah, yeah. Liam Neeson, I think, is coming up. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Wow. He's just absolutely killing it at the moment with some of the interviews he's doing. Yeah, and you'll probably find that those people are probably glad to get working, too, in some capacity. Yeah. Well, there's me sitting today. I was sitting there going, oh, I can't wait till the night. For something to do tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually been something I've been thinking about, and it is great that a lot of people have a message and asking, will the podcast continue? Because obviously, if we're locked down, we're all from different areas, we can't meet up. But not only does it benefit people by putting something out there to give them something to listen to, it also benefits ourselves. Stop us going nuts. Yeah, yeah, good for your mental health and all that. Carry on. Well, a lot of them guys that are doing podcasts, they're comedians, and their their jobs have basically been terminated for the year. I think it was Mickey Bartlett said. He lost nine grand in 24 hours. Oh, that's quite oh, a hit. Nine grand of gigs. So a lot of them are doing um, Patreon accounts and doing extra podcasts on their Patreon accounts. Yeah, I think Geddes is doing that at the minute. Yeah, yeah. well, he sort of he had Patreon going, but I think Shane Todd and Dave Elliott and boys like Adam really started. And then there was a guy, um, you ever hear me talking about the String Ninjas? No. They're, that's really good. I've seen them a couple of times at different bars in Belfast. Um, boy with a viol- electric violin and a boy with a guitar and they do all contemporary music but really really cool he does paypal uh, requests at night time now so he does oh that's pretty so you cool him, you give him a few quid and he'll knock out any tune you want he'll he'll learn the song and play it for you that night oh that's brilliant yeah so people are people are adapting simple as that you know that's it yeah you have to and things have happened over the years although maybe not as sudden as this that people do have to adapt to it or you will drop off three or four weeks ago when all this was heading our way you're just going oh the economy's going to collapse there's industries now that are making more money than they've ever dreamed of because of this the food industry will have its best year ever and you can even imagine things that you wouldn't think of initially like apps for your phones and things like that if people are sitting at home with nothing to do they're going to download things they got to play yeah i think i think the podcast market will just go mental We'll we'll have two million listeners by the end of the month, Connor. <laughs> what, what is that a is that a two percent rise? Yeah, yeah, just two percent. I don't want to get too ambitious, you know. Oh, definitely not. Well, Disney Plus couldn't have picked a better time to launch in the UK. No, definitely Here, not. That was a, a cynical man would have his tin hat on that one. <laughs> if I hear any more conspiracy stories, I'm out. But know what you were saying? You're right, and there'll be certain businesses who will benefit from this simply from picking up the slack from other ones that have closed or aren't doing yeah. so well as well. So it's, you know, swings and roundabouts. The podcast I was listening to yesterday, it was uh, Best of Belfast. The boy Matthew from Dremore does it. Okay. And he he's interviewed a lot of pe- different people. He interviewed uh, Fella Agnew, he's the son or grandson of the boy that owns Henderson's group. Okay, and yeah. Agnew Spar. This is going to be there their one billion pound revenue year. Shit, right? Wow, well, I wish I hadn't <laughs> wish I hadn't left them. <laughs> I used to work for them. He was talking about their new digital approach in the next decade. They're they're basically gonna it's hard to describe, but they're they're long term thinking about electric cars and what, what that means to the garage forecourt. Uh huh. 
and how you, how you, how you provide a service then. And they're moving into click and collect charging points at uh, film stations and various services. So you, he says somebody comes in to charge the car for twenty twenty five months. That's dwell time. What have you got for them to keep them there? Yeah, true. And you'll go to that place if there is something to do, as opposed to somewhere that you just have to sit in your ass. There's so loads of them in the south now. Like I see them all the time. All the motorway services and stuff down there are really up in their game, just in yeah. general. But they all have the electric charge points. A lot of them have the Tesla branded ones, but some of them have just I think generic ones, or I don't really understand the difference. But yeah. um, and yeah, there's so much in them now. Just you're saying about people like Henderson Group, they're looking forward to the future. A friend of mine, Simon, he's a big tire sales guy, and he was telling me that cars now with the what they're looking manufacturers are looking at doing is the cars can monitor their tires and the wear on them and that they'll be able to book themselves in for servicing them for tires it's like all these newfangled fridges and stuff that they'll say they'll order you milk and stuff when you're running low and all this jazz i suppose if it works for that why not yeah on to our main topic today then we're sort of kicking it old school a bit i ended up interviewing andy mills and dan ainslow formerly of max power magazine anyone probably in their 30s upwards would definitely remember Max Power magazine. Somebody called my name, did they? Uh, it might have been 30s. yourself there, yeah. <laughs> Reached out to the guys and they were more than happy to have a chat and they're actually kind of reviving that scene as well, which is good, which you'll hear about in the interview. Yeah, Max Power for me was a big part of my life. Back in the day? Um, no, I got my license in 1997. Some people who listen to this probably weren't even born then. The first issue of Max Power was 1993. Magazines previously to Max Power were more sort of classic car magazines. There wasn't really a hardcore Wild and Larry tuning magazine. It was more like how do you dial in your carbs? You know, classic tuning, if you know. Yeah, practical stuff. It set a new scene. When it came on the scene, it was a big deal. In the 90s, you know, printed magazine was so important. Mobile phones were not quite there yet internet was starting to come but uh, you know if you wanted to find out what was going on in the car scene magazines they showed you what was happening at various shows how people were tuning their cars how people were dialing the cars you know yeah so that that gave you access to what was happening around the world yeah um, whereas now you, you can look at anything anywhere it moved on from magazines to forums and forums fell by the waist and social media has taken over but much to the detriment because as we've talked about it many times, forums are a great resource, as were pr- printed magazines for reference. Yeah, you can look back and the stuff's always there on them. I've just a few notes here. I was just talking about doing this recording um, about Max Bar magazine itself. As I said, the first issue was in 1993. It was by uh, a house called EMAP, East Anglia Allied Press. It's actually one of the biggest media groups in the world. At its peak, Max Bar had a quarter of a million circulation. So it so it's... It was absolutely mental. It was the biggest car magazine in Europe. Yeah, for a niche market, that actually works out to be 1% of that current population at the time were buying that magazine. I think, too, that it led to a lot of other niche publications because I'm not quite sure when PBW came in. I think it was it was the late 90s PBW, was it? Yeah, it would have been. I, I think it led to a lot of where publishers sort of stood up and went, hold on a minute, there is a market for niche magazines. PBW, PMW, Performance BMW... You know, you got a lot of, I think they're off spins, basically. Even um, in the modified car scene there, you had like Revs and Fast Car and Redline were the other competitors to it. Yeah. I also found out, found out that 
riders for Max Power over the years. Johnny Smith of Fifth Gear fame. That's right. And Vicky Butler Henderson. It's funny to hear that them guys were involved with it. Yeah, you can tell that anyone who worked on the magazine obviously had more than a passing interest in cars. It wasn't a journalism thing, it was a car thing because every one of them has went on to do something outside of, well, sorry, outside of the magazine, but still within the realm of cars. Even Dan, who was on the interview, was telling me that the Fast and the Furious Live, he was involved in the promotion of it. It's pretty cool, like so it is, you know. But it wasn't all good for Max Power. They were heavily criticised over the years for different things. The main criticism was their promotion of the illegal and underground cruise scene throughout the UK, which was massive. I think it's died down a bit, you know, since the death of Max Power. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. They were particularly criticised as they went to different cruises. They raided the cruise by burnouts, police presence, how fit the girls were and how good the cars were. <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't anything you would have seen in any other magazine. And at the time, probably as time goes on, think people become more liberal towards things where this wasn't a time for that. They also got criticised for being a sort of lads magazine because they always had scantily clad ladies in the magazine in the issues. So they got a lot of flack for it. Yeah, well, I'll be honest, I didn't read it, and that was probably one of the things that put me off it. And not because I'm against, you know, I'm into this whole exploitation of women, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that. It's just, as a woman, it wasn't a thing that I particularly wanted to look at. I know you could say, okay, yeah, look at the cars, but, you know, there's other magazines you could have bought around that time if you wanted to see Diddy's. Why did it have to have both? Lee, you just said Diddy's. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like me to say? Norks? Diddy's is my favourite word. Diddy's are your favourite things. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's move, let's move swiftly on. Uh, the, the Max Power magazine also put on Max Power Live. One uh, event that had 50,000 people at it, but it, all things come to end that ended in 2007. You were saying you went to Max Power Live, Connor? Yeah, it was actually probably one of the, the first big shows that I was ever at. It was 2006, two, two friends of mine headed over. I think I was only 17 at the time. And between cars and models, I got my eyes opened. Yeah. <laughs> Where was it? Birmingham, NEC? Yeah, Birmingham. That was the first time, I think it was the first time I was ever in England. And I just couldn't get over the size of the show, the venue, anything at all. Like, the amount of fiberglass. And the amount of fiberglass and fillers, <laughs> yeah. It was definitely on a different leg to Fintna or something like that. Yeah, I had never seen anything like this outside of Ireland before. I think, I think that's that's what I found when I did start going to the mainland shows. There was just different scale of events. Like you, you had seen nothing like it before when you went over to the big UK shows. No, but it shows the following that people had and... Obviously, you have a lot more people for that landmass, but the following that Max Power had to put on a show like that to get 50,000 people through the doors is insane. Crazy, crazy. So then, 2010, circulation fell drastically from a quarter of a million in circulation to 20,000. Time was called in the magazine due to various things. The movement of printed media to online, less spending and budget cuts in the media group until finally in January 2011 was the final issue of Max Power. Sad day for uh, those in Max Bar and followers of Max Bar, I suppose. But. Yeah, and you could turn around and say well, it had its day, but even looking back, and as you say, it was a big thing for you back in the day. It is sad to see yeah. something like that die. Don't get me wrong, there's certain aspects of it I just 
it's pure cringe, but yeah. it's good fun. It's lighthearted, and when you listen to the interview coming up here, you'll actually find out that the guys just really had fun, and they'll say to you that yeah. while they didn't make a whole lot of money at it, they really enjoyed themselves, and if you can do that during your job, there's a lot to be said for it. Well, I was just going to say, for those who don't know, and even though I, I said I didn't read it, obviously I was still aware of it, back in that era, the scene in, as a whole was a lot more adventurous, I guess you'd call it, or a bit more... Creative. Yeah, creative and, and full-on mods and body kits and big money and Larry paint jobs and things, much more so than what it is now. And some people think that those were the glory days and some people prefer the more subtle kind of OEM things that we have now. But Max Power was kind of a, a byword for that kind of Style. heavily modified Fast and the Furious style, if you like. It's like fashion too. I think things are coming full circle again because things have been, I'm not going to say bland, but with the likes of the designer Kaiser and stuff like that, Wild and Larry designs are starting to come back slowly again. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, everything goes in circles, you know, all yeah. the mad 90s neons and all that thing, that comes around every now and again. And People get bored, so they try to think outside the box. Yeah. And they don't realise that somebody else had that box 20 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think we'll leave it there and play this interview. Milsey and Dan Ainslow, formerly of Max Power Magazine. How are you going, guys? Very good, thanks, mate. Excellent. Very good, mate. Nice to be with you on, a, on the radio, on the wireless. Brilliant. Really appreciate you guys coming onto the podcast for us. For those out there listening, maybe slightly younger than ourselves, who are you guys? And give us a bit of intro about your past history. Well, I was Milsey's boss at Max Power Magazine for about <laughs> 2001 to 2005. Uh, staff writer, photographer, DVD presenter, live TV guy, radio guy, did all the stuff that, you know, did doing. Uh, yeah, probably, you know, the most legendary guy. Meals is a close second or third. Um, all the tattoos and project cards to, to prove it. Yeah. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile uh, we were there till about 2006 then. Uh, and as most normal people would know, uh, I was basically Dan's boss. Uh, because yeah. I... I did all the work on Max Power uh, while Dan swanned around building project cars and, and trying to crack on for numerous Max Spades. It sounds like Dan had the better option there. <laughs> oh, come on now. Oh, oh. Strenuous denial there. Did you hear that? I oh. did. <laughs> oh, I'll speak to you after this, Milzik. Oh, yeah. Fair go. Yeah, but we enjoyed it, didn't we? You know, we... Um... We worked on the magazine, and, and times were hard, and wages were low, but we maximised our enjoyment. Got to the, got to Ireland, north and south, many a time. Yep. Many a, many a mad story from there. I can, I can tell you about. I would imagine so. Winding back a bit, how did you guys get into cars in the first place? Was it a young, from a young age, or was it something that developed over time? Well, I think, I think Millsy was into like ponies, like unicorns and fairies and stuff, um, and then. <laughs> making myself laugh. <laughs> How'd you get to cars, Millsy? Well, see, so I'm like, uh, he's not really probably, into cars. Yeah. No, I'm probably like a, no- a normal kid. So you like, you got mm. pushing toy cars around the sitting room, around your bedroom. Like I think I used to go to bed with my toy cars. My dad used to have to come and pull them out because they're pretty uncomfortable to sleep on. Pretty standard. Uh, so I was kind of obsessed. I was kind of obsessed from an early age, and then um, when I was at school, that's when. Max Power came out, and it kind of uh, 
ignited my passion for, for the modifying thing. So uh, to the point where I'd kind of bought a car when I was 16 and was already modifying it on the driveway, ready for when I passed my test. And uh, yeah, and then the rest of this history, I've kind of not stopped since. Yeah, that's something it was very dream similar. Job, wasn't it, Millsy, working on Max Power? Yeah, no, it totally was my dream job. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, so I got the. Job. I was kind of lucky with getting the job because uh, I was working for FHM magazine at the time in London, and uh, it was part of the same company. And they did an internal job advert thing, and I saw Max Power come up, and I thought, man, right, there's no way I'm not going for that. So, um, yeah, I applied. This was like in the old days when you like had to send stuff in a post and things. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I kind of typed out this thing, put it in the post, sent it to John Sue, the editor. And then I was like, you know, I was desperate to hear back and I hadn't heard anything. So I ended up phoning up and he goes, oh, yeah, I've just uh, he kind of searched through his desk, found the letter, said, I'll call you back in a minute. And he read it and then, uh, yeah, phoned up and straight away asked me to come down for a... Um, interview which I did at a cartooning place in Harlow in Essex where he was having a meeting and uh, yeah and then he gave me the job and I was a, a very happy chap. I would imagine so. That's the start of the dream. Exactly. It was a marvellous dream. You talked about your first car that you were building when you were 16. What was that? Uh, it was nothing spectacular so I think I had a budget of um, like £250 to buy a car and uh, I had actually found a Mark 1 Escort down in Romford, which I, it was orange with brown furry seats. Uh-huh. It was awesome. Uh, and I went down there a couple of times and we tried to get it started, but we couldn't. So I ended up on that one. <laughs> no, you, you went out and bought it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, then I went out and bought a, uh, a Mark 1 Fiesta. Yeah, it was pretty rusty. But yeah, I ended up doing all the bodywork to it and started trying to put a Mark 2 XR2 body kit on it. And uh, me and my dad painted it in my garage at home. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Never quite finished it, but, um, you know, it was a good introduction. That sounds exactly the same experience that I had. Bought a car at 16 after falling in love with Max Power magazine, and everything was self-built. It was a one-litre Corsa. Smoothed the door handles, the filler cap, custom body kit, painted it ourselves. So something very similar to yourself. Nice. Combat body kit, you say? It was a combat rear with a custom front and custom side skirts. Oh, nice. It was painted Ferrari yellow and was just sort of leery and very off the time, shall we say. Sounds good. Bright, bright yellow Corsa with a kit on. Can't beat it. Yeah, sort of. Corsa was the staple diet of the scene back then, back in 2006. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you're mentioning there two, £250 for a Mark One Escort you were looking at. You'll be very lucky to get that now. Oh, no. I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll keep myself even... Even not running it, you could already put a couple of zeros on the end of it. Oh, it's crazy, yeah. The the jump in price of things is phenomenal now. Yeah, it's crazy. Me and Dan were, um, there's a big South End throwback cruise on Saturday and a couple of Mot 1 escorts walking around there. And uh, yeah, and then you like looking at all the other stuff that we used to kind of cruise around in. We're talking to some guys that had some cozies. We're talking about the good old days of when, you know, if you had a Cosy and you blew the engine, it was cheaper to just go and buy another Cosworth and <laughs> nick the engine out of it. But those days are long gone. Oh, yeah. it's the, You'll never see that again. So, working on Max Power Magazine, was there any particular like kind of features or project cars that really stand out for you that was a particular favourite of yours? Well, I really enjoyed um, the Gracia Cosworth that I built purely for the fact that it beat Dan Skyline on the DVD. I remember seeing that DVD back in the day. <laughs> 
lot of people do, fortunately, which is uh, which is gutting for Ben. I mean, to be fair, we did a little video on our YouTube channel the other day talking about our old project cars, and um, I, I had to admit that I thought his Skyline was really quite an awesome build, but it was just a bit slow. That's unfortunate. Hard to beat the British engineering. Skyline's a Skyline at the end of the day. Cozy's a Cozy, and we all know which is which is the king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that was a, that was a nice car. That one. That was probably the most. Uh, great to look at that I built, but I built an S14 that was pretty rapid and would definitely have done that cosy if the two had ever met. That S14 was the yellow one? Well, it was yellow, yeah, and then it went blue. Yeah, that one, the one that started off yellow and then went blue, that was at 350 break, and yeah, and I think that's in, in, in Southern Ireland, I think, I don't know, um, but I think it's still going around, which is nice. Anything rear-wheel drive usually ends up in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, like every A eighty six Corolla back in the day. Oh yeah, all over there. Those things are everywhere here. Yeah, the um, but regarding the magazine project cars, I mean, they're, they're like a lot of the really famous ones have been built before we got there, like um, Project Excess, uh, Project Mad Max, Project Two Thousand, which is obviously being redone at the moment. That's I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so the I guess the biggest one while we were there was Project Slam. Which was the Astra Coupe, which was uh, well, it got pretty famous. Um, it wasn't built quite how it should have been, so you know, still turned heads and had an awesome interior and like was pretty, pretty eye catching. But um, to be honest, we didn't uh, get massively involved with a lot of those project cars by that point because Max Power got so big. But um, you know, certainly a lot of the other project cars were kind of sponsored by companies and were. You know, a little bit run by kind of advertising and, and stuff like that. Like the real project cars, while well, we were there, probably the ones that the staff were building, like, you know, Dan Skyline and 300, uh, 200SX. Uh huh. And uh, my various little builds. I remember seeing Project Slam and it didn't exactly go to plan, did it? No, no. It was um, looking back, trying to figure it out, but I'm pretty sure that they, uh, the, the body kit was built with the suspension raised to its highest point. So. They built this big, fat, wide, low scraping body kit on this car that had hydraulic suspension. Uh-huh. But obviously, building it at its height or kind of near its highest level, uh, then when you slammed it, it's like it didn't actually have to go down that far before it was on the floor. Uh, whereas, actually, if they built it around the car being slammed, then like the kit would have looked a lot more sporty, I guess. Yeah. But it looked a bit chunky. It had sort of touring car vibes to it. Yeah, I mean, Vauxhall did build a um, a concept Astra Coupe. I can't remember what they called it, like the GTC or something. Uh-huh. And and that looked awesome. And I think that's what we were probably aiming to build. But yeah, didn't go quite right. <laughs> Some things just don't work out. Mm. Dan, you mentioned you had the the tattoos to prove the Max Power history. You were kind of seen as the the bad boy back in the day. You done some <laughs> sort of crazy wild things. Am I right in saying you had Jordan's name or sorry signature <laughs> tattooed on your ass? Madness! You young and stupid witness. Oh, of course, <laughs> these things have to be done. Yeah, so yeah, I got a few a few tattoos. Yeah, I've got the Max Power logo on the shoulder, and there there might be a, a small signature somewhere else. <laughs> a famous big boobed individual they were the wild days of course of course and you actually ended up yeah. at one point you ran for parliament am I right in saying yeah yeah I was pretty much nearly voted in with 106 votes so I think <laughs> I had to do a recount because I, I was nearly the winner how did that come about whose idea was this oh, I was, a was it was it Edith John's idea I think wasn't it 
Yeah, John, John Souther, and he was um, he had a deviant. Well, he still has got a deviant mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think he came up with that idea, which, which was a good one. Yeah, it just seemed yeah. to me you didn't know what to be doing. It was just, what's the wildest thing we can do? Yeah, he wanted to get some PR out of it, and he got PR out of it. It was on, like, the Guardian website and BBC News when they reported the votes that the Max Power <laughs> Party got 106 votes in South Wales West. So it was PR, but I think the people reading it were like, who the fuck the Max Power Party? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little dabble in politics, yeah. We had to stay up late. I had to give a speech in, like, the polling state or the counting place, wherever it is. I had to give give a speech at the end and there's a few chaps standing around being cheering so it was all good do you remember any of the policies then what were they um free boot jobs on the nhs <laughs> yeah i think it was only uh the immigration thing was only fit, fit girls were allowed in the country or something wasn't it makes sense yeah. which i think stands stands fine to, yeah stands fine today i think we still yeah. work with that Brilliant. i'm sure i'm sure uh, pink and brown are compulsory colors you guys obviously you spoke about you you traveled far and wide for shows and to cover cars and cruises you mentioned that you'd met it over here do you have any personal stories about what happened or anything crazy that happened hmm. um well gee, there was a, i think it's called the m club do you remember the m club i do in indeed Belfast? yes yeah so we knew the bouncer in there mr mr chris burns Steer from the rear, stunt driving legend. Yes, indeed. Uh, so he used to get us in there. I remember a night in there with Fly, very, very drunk, and uh, met a beautiful, beautiful student who was in there partying as well. Gorgeous, gorgeous lady. Fly was super pissed off at the end of the night because he thought he was in, and then I was just like, how you doing? And disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't speak to me the next day at breakfast. It was funny. I got in like fucking six in the morning to the hotel we were staying in, massively hungover, no sleep, and he was having breakfast. And he just looked at me. <laughs> it's the most dirty look I've ever seen. And we had to go was to it, the, was the it, next day. Oh, no. was, the, was the dirty look he gave you a dirtier look than the landlady of the B&B you were staying in, whose bed you wet and mattress you ruined? <laughs> well, it, well, yeah, well, it wasn't the B&B tools, so it, it was a normal hotel, but the receptionist was, was not impressed with that. And with the damp mattress after. I think that was in the South, I think that was in Dublin. I mean, me and Fly had been out in a Guinness and large gin drinking like, after a shoot. And yeah, did the old piss to bed thinking I was in the toilet when I was really not. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all and very sensible. The next day and had to buy me fucking um, mattress. Yeah, Jesus, 300 euros. Oh, oh lovely. Well, I mean, the other thing about Northern Ireland, just always the turnout when we came over at Banger for the cruises. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, it was, uh, you know, we'd go to, I mean, that was one of the great, well, one of my favourite things, like, you know, you're going all around the world seeing stuff, but uh, travelling around the UK going to cruises was always awesome because it was like, it's your opportunity to meet a bunch of readers in one place, you know, get an idea of what's going on. Yeah, a bunch of maniacs, and you end up, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you end up making, yeah, you end up making mates uh, with people all around the country. So like, it was really cool. You could like turn up in Blackpool, and there'd be people you'd know. You'd turn up in Bangor, there'd be people you'd know. You'd be in like Glasgow, or whatever, um, Plymouth. I mean, there's some great cruises all over the place. But um, Bangor was always, you know, you were always guaranteed to have. An awesome turnout. I mean, I remember turning it once, and it, like, it was, was it by the train station or something? It was indeed, yes, opposite uh, the train station. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just like absolutely rammed. And then um, I think later on, uh, a small section decided to, uh, well, I think this often happened, go off and uh, 
do a bit of dipping yeah. somewhere, and uh, and then you get the the local because you had um there was like normal police and then there's bastard police, weren't there? Yes. <laughs> and uh, the the bastard police would often turn up and like they were the ones that everyone was a little bit scared of, and that's when you'd see everyone just split, yep. like um gone uh, at warp speed. Yeah, Fast and Furious style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. You you know yeah. who you can push your luck with and who you can't. Yeah, I, I think those guys you can push your luck with by the sounds of it. No. I, I never, uh, I never hung around to see. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a good choice. And where was where was Nut Corner as well? Was that like bang away? Oh uh, no, that was actually on the opposite side of Belfast. But there was some crazy nights at Nut's Corner, breaking into the go kart race circuit and closing down the roads uh, and drag racing between the roundabout. <laughs> Not me, officer. We never did that. No. As you were, drag racing, wasn't it, between roundabouts with them boys? It's like the stiff and the rear boys in there and trees and stuff. It's just ridiculous. Every roundabout was an opportunity. Must have showed the police mental. I, I remember following one of them. Uh, we were going to shoot in the countryside somewhere. and uh, I can't remember. It was might have been uh, Brandy or... Mark Looney or someone uh-huh. was in a 300 and it's just like, you, you know, we're just driving somewhere and he's like yeah. sideways at every junction. Actually reminds me, um, you know, this guy might, you never know, he might listen to this station, but um, I think one of the weirdest shoots I ever went on was uh, in Belfast. Okay. There was a guy with a, a yellow... Honda, well, they're all yellow. It was a um, EK Civic Honda, uh, uh, Jordan Special Edition that he'd modified. Okay, yeah. Right, I, I think we met him out the back of his house, and then um, he kind of suggested there was this location the other side of town, and uh, or we met him there. I can't remember, but we kind of did this shoot, and he was he was a bit of a scally, okay. this chap. <laughs> and then uh, we finished the shoot, and he goes, uh, "You better drive my car back to mine." Because if the police see me driving it, like I'll just get the book thrown at me because like I don't know if he was banned or what. I'm like, okay, this is strange, a bit weird. And uh, yeah, so we end up driving back and he's um, you know, when you grow up in uh, over this neck of the woods and you're not that familiar with Belfast and you've got all the kind of you know sectarian paintings on the walls and stuff like that, it's kind of like it can be quite a daunting place, Belfast. Yeah, because we grew up with it. Yeah, exactly, and it's a bit of, you know, it's kind of, well, one of the interesting things is a lot of these guys whose cars you go and shoot all, all around the UK and, you know, all around the world, but you get a little insight into their lives, so um, this guy had this, like, cool civic, his family were obviously, like, not super wealthy, and we got to his house and kind of parked up the back, and uh, went in the house and through the back door, it's like, you know, he shared a bedroom with his three brothers in bunk beds and stuff and they'd all drawn on the walls and there's like wallpaper hanging off everywhere. Um, but then his, like, his mum was lovely and was like, oh, do you want to come to boys? And we went in the front room and it was like immaculate. Uh-huh. It's like, um, so I've, they were then saying, well, or people have then told me like, you know, this is a kind of throwback to the olden days where you'd have your parlour room or kind of your entrance room being kind of immaculate for when the priest comes round or whatever. The guests come round, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was like, you know, it was real eyes. So we got a lot of um, cultural insights to, uh, to English job as, as well in, in many different ways. 
Yeah, I would imagine so. My girlfriend and I, we travel quite a bit, usually over to America or around Europe for different shows, just sort of get a feel for different things. You get to meet different people and it's amazing. And you spoke about like making friends with people and keeping contacts with people. It's a great thing to do. Yeah, no, it's great, isn't it? I mean, like after, um, well, actually, this is one of the good things about kind of starting the Maxon thing up again because, you know, news travels and there's people that were around when we were all into it and stuff that kind of, that I was mates with at the time, but then, you know, life moves on and you're kind of doing other things and you lose contact because, you know, you've got a million things to do and you've got no reason to particularly talk to people, but started up the Maxon thing and um, it's great, like some of the people that, I've kind of seen it and contacted us from, you know, all around Europe and America and all sorts and just kind of said, oh, good to see you back. Like, yeah. How are you doing? And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. Well, just on that topic, yes, after Max Power essentially died a death due to the death of print media, you guys obviously went on to do different things and now you're reviving the, the spirit of that through Maxers. Yeah, exactly that, yeah. That's the plan, isn't it? Bill? Just get out there and, and live the life and go to the shows and meeting people with passions and uh, building cool cars. It's basically the plan, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, um, kind of one of the kind of rationales behind it is, well, A, like we just miss messing around with cars and stuff like that. Of course. Um, like, <laughs> I mean, we still have messed around with cars since we left and stuff, but... Um, you know, you just look around and it's like everything's got a bit too cool. You know, we we kind of like the guys that get down and dirty and are like doing stuff to their cars on their own or like going out at night and fucking around and like, you know, cruising and having fun, you know, racing around and having fun and like, you know, hanging out with their mates and, you know, just having a laugh because, I mean, we had so many laughs on Max Power. It's like, you know, I'm sure people still do. Well, I know people still do. Because, like, you know, we've met some already and generally it's going to be fun messing around with cars. But I think the way that the media has gone, like, obviously the magazines have all gone downhill or disappeared. And there's a lot of people that kind of grow up and get really snotty and, like, you know, start going on piston heads and talking about uh, remapping their Audi and thinking that's, like, freaking awesome. A highly modified car. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And, you know, people talk about the kind of whole rap, rap and air writing. And I get it. Like, it's not building a proper car, but I get why people do it because, you know, it's, it's kind of easy and whatever. But I guess we kind of want to highlight the people's builds that put their heart and soul into stuff because, you know, that's what it was like in the next power days. And, and also, like, you know, people just using their imagination and trying new things. So, you know, we've, we're talking to some people at the moment that are building stuff, and you're like, man, this is awesome. It's like, so the cars still exist, the spirit still exists, but I don't think there's been anywhere for people to show it off. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah, I'd to agree with that. There's still cool people out there having fun and not being pretentious about it and, you know, just meeting up and hanging out. And if there's some back lanes in between that, got the right sort of bends in, then, you know, let's have some fun and enjoy those cars, definitely, yeah. But they're just they're just real nice people, just really real, really passionate. A lot of them are really skillful with the stuff they do themselves. And, yeah, yeah it's building some crazy stuff. People have, like, started coming out of the woodwork that we haven't spoken to for a while. They're just building some killer cars. You think, oh, I can't wait till that's finished. And, like, obviously with Maxes, we, we write the story and shoot some pictures, but we always shoot a nice bit of video, get the cars on the move, chat to the people, get the exhaust note, you know, all the things that you want to sort of feel and see and hear when you see a cool modified car. So that's kind of the plan is like, 
really bringing Max Power to life and, you know, just being ourselves. I'm the funny, handsome one. Me and the one that knows all about the colours and stuff. And, yeah, it's a really good, really good combination, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One, of the, one of the other things is, you know what? This modern age we're living in, I mean, we're all on lockdown with, like, coronavirus stuff or whatever at the moment. And, uh, you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, that's kind of slightly irrelevant, but we get told what to do a lot uh-huh. by the government, by the politically correct brigade. And, like, I've had enough of that. Well, you know, like, when people moan about, you know, we put a girl in, we did our monthly, our first monthly Nexus thing, and we put a girl in the video. And uh, it's probably one of the only videos that we've had on YouTube that had dislike okay. things. It had like two or three people dislike it. Because and I swear it must have been because of the girl. And and it's like, but there's a couple of minutes of truth about what we do, right? Modified cars is a male-dominated environment, right? Yeah. And while there are girls modified cars, which is great to see, it's like it's mainly men, and the majority of those men are probably straight, okay, and they probably all like looking at half naked women, yeah, right. So, why are we not allowed to show that, yeah, when there's, half, there's women that are like happy and keen to do it? So, we don't want to exploit anyone or anything, but we just want to kind of say, like, come on, yeah, like, stop being silly, like, we're all. Adults will, like, it's just common sense, right, that folks want to see some girls, folks want to drive fast, like, folks want to build stuff. It's in their nature. Like, all those things are in their nature, so people shouldn't try and stop us. Yeah, I fully agree. And as you say, there is a lot of clamping down on everything, whether it's on car modifications right through to political correctness as you say so it's it's good to see kind of a rebellion to that and the boring side of a simple remap and a set of wheels on a car it's a rebellion against it all yeah exactly it's, um there is a rebellious streak to what we're doing where we're just basically saying that right this is no problem i mean the other thing is you know cars as we know them aren't going to be around for forever are they so we should have some fun with them while we can yeah. yeah, we've got about 10 years left of like burning petrol and burning tyres, so I reckon we should definitely make most of it. Oh, don't tell me that. It's a, it's a grim future. Although, like saying that, electric cars, they sound rubbish, but they are pretty fast. Yeah. So I can live with electric cars, it's just these stupid autonomous cars that people talk about. Like, uh, if they take away our, our ability to drive a car... I fully agree. One thing that I despise <laughs> is driver raids in cars, and I think they make people lazy, and then people get dependent on it, and next thing it's in every car. You have cars that are slowing, like they're tracking the car in front, they slow down, you slow down. I'm just thinking, I'm supposed to be in control of this, this is my freedom. Yeah, well that's it, cars are freedom, aren't they? Yeah. So, always have been, and like that's, I remember when I was 17 and you passed your test, it's like the world is open to me now. Like, take that away from people. Then, what do you, you know, have? Whatever you got, you've got lock, you've got lockdown society that are at the beck and call of whoever's controlling the AI and autonomous vehicles. Yeah, it sounds very tinfoil hat, but I 100% agree. Good. Yeah, we're on the same revolution. Way. Yeah, <laughs> we've been doing that for years in this country. That's true. Yeah, you're, you guys are good at that. We'll, uh, we'll follow your lead. <laughs> Where do you see Maxers going? Will you can continue in the digital environment, or will you kind of hark back to your print media if there's the, the opportunity for it? Uh, we like videos, mate, don't we? Yeah, I mean, one of the things when we're on Max Power, 
we're taking beautiful photos and like obviously doing awesome write-ups. But one of the things that was always a bit grating was like, you know, you've got this, you're telling someone about some like 600 horsepower RX-7, but you can only describe how it sounds or what it looks like when it's moving. Uh, so video is like a real powerful tool, which we're kind of trying to embrace as much as possible. But I don't realise, well, I mean, I still love a, a decent car magazine. So I guess if we can get enough support for what we're doing digitally, then um, at some point, you know, we, we wouldn't mind doing like a, at least a quarterly magazine. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I know a lot of people have asked us about it and I think there's a demand. But, you know, it's, it's quite, it costs quite a lot of money. It takes a lot of time to make a decent magazine uh, and to print it and, uh, and sell it. So... Yeah, we basically, I mean, we're doing all of this out of love at the moment. Uh-huh, the same with ourselves here. Yeah, exactly, and you kind of, you know, you hope that there might be a bit of a break and, you know, if our YouTube channel gets more followers and blah, 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 and we can try and make a bit of money out of it, then we can plow that back into, you know, maybe doing a digital edition or, uh, or possibly just spunk it on building project costs. But, um, <laughs> either, either sounds good. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of like one of those cases where you think, uh, well, if you build a project car, then that might get more attention, right, and might help grow what we're trying to do a bit more. Because then we can, like, you know, if there's a cruise somewhere, we can turn up in a car that people recognise. Yeah, see. they know that it's you guys. So, just to wrap things up, guys, where can the listeners find out more about yourselves? Where can we find you online? Uh, so, if listeners want to follow us, then uh, we've got a website which is www.nexus.co.uk. Or you can visit our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Maxus. Or you can find us on Facebook, which I don't know what the address is, but if you search Maxus, you'll probably find it. And then we've got kind of uh, Instagram accounts, which are uh, Max Power Dan and Max Power Millsy. Yeah, like and share, man. We will indeed. The passion for modified cars in that neck of the woods is ridiculously strong. It is, uh, yeah, what a time to be alive, like cruising in. Northern Ireland in like the early 2000s was hilarious. Yeah, it was definitely crazy days. So thank you for having us, and like everyone always looked after us and like made sure we had the best time. And the cars were killer, and people knew how to drive them as well. So you imagine like <laughs> what a great night that was. It's fairly yeah, lawless. One of my top places in the whole world to go to. Brilliant. All right, mate. We'll take it easy, and we'll come over and see you soon. Cheers, guys. Bye. Yeah, so even if I do say so myself, I really enjoyed doing that. It was really good interviews. Great to hear from them two guys and their experiences. One thing I will say is I really didn't know what to expect going into that interview. You know, talking to guys that were big time in the scene years and years ago and they're starting to come back. And it's great to see them doing something with that again and bringing that passion back for it. Even after so long, it clearly hasn't left them. No, it, it, it came across that they were basically guys that were obsessed with cars. I think it was Dan was talking about when he was a teenager, he was saving and saving and bought his first car, he was 14 or 15 I think it was, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. I, I, it was Millsy. Millsy, sorry. Yeah. yeah. It just came across that they loved cars, they loved their job and they were living the dream. And I think that's something uh, everyone can relate to. Yeah. Definitely one thing that, that I had said as well and Lee brought up before the interview was that whether you look back on that scene or not with fond memories is there's a lot of fun and creativity that's missing from the scene today that people are very uptight about what people think of their cars. Where back then it was just a free-for-all of do what you want and do what you love. Yeah, back back then the variety of cars in the scene was just unreal. From one end of the rainbow to the other, just in variation and styles. 
Yeah, there wasn't so much a Jap scene and a Euro scene and a this and a that. It was kind of just cars in general. Yeah. I like their stories about Northern Ireland now. That was good. Yeah, that's. I was really interested to hear a few things about that from them. And we've actually a few listeners have messaged in with stories about things that we had spoke about, which we'll talk about later on. One thing, I was chatting to them off air then afterwards. We're talking about this sort of differences in the car scene now to then. And one thing they brought up was that they were saying, we'd talked about like finance and how everything now, a lot of the stuff is finance, this finance, finance the car, finance the modifications. Milsey was saying that back then, it was a very similar thing, except everyone was using credit cards. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, you're turning up to this guy's house and there was 30 grand pumped into this Nova and it was all on cards. So same sort of thing. You know, it's all owed money. Like that fellow he was talking about with a Civic that lived at home, shared a room with his brothers, but obviously had this big money Civic. car. Yeah. So it's funny how people complain about finance ruining the scene, but things haven't changed that much. The only difference is that Back then, you're more than likely owned the car, so it was easier to go a bit more extreme than if you have something on PCP, say, that you have to hand back, you're not going to be cutting the bumpers in half. Like people were bolting 20 grand on the two grand car, whereas now they're buying a 20 grand car and bolting a few thousand pound on. Well, yeah, well, you're, you're not far wrong to prefer. It's a different scale, but the finance is key again in a lot of cars. Definitely. No, I remember 2003, the first time Max Parr came over, I was driving a well, it must have been it must have been ninety eight. So I was driving a Mark One Fiesta. That's correct. Yeah. They came over to <laughs> Bangor, and then they came to Cumber Car Park, my local haunt. I done a burnout. I got in the magazine. That's right. Ever. We'll have to we'll have to post a, a picture of this when it goes out. I'm just trying to think what age was I then? <laughs> <laughs> when it, when at first you said 2003, I was going to say I didn't even even have my license then, but then when you said it was ninety eight, I was like. I was still in primary school. I was 10. Yeah, it was good times. Like, when when they came over, there was just such a buzz. There was cars from all around Northern Ireland descended on, you know, Cumber or Bangor or whatever. Yeah, it was or a big Nuts, deal. Nuts Corner. I was at Nuts Corner once, and it was just mental. Absolutely mental. You know, hundreds and hundreds of cars just from all over. It's just a massive event when they did turn up to do a feature on the, the cruise as such. Funny, I was shocked to hear that when they were speaking, they were talking about Bangor, and then they actually mentioned Nuts Corner as well. There's 20 years later and they're still remembering things that was happening back then. Well, you sort of thought when they came over, oh, this is, we love coming over here, we love coming over here. And in your head, you're going, oh, they probably say that to everybody. But when they actually say it when, on your interview, you're going, that's right, it was absolutely mental. Yeah. <laughs> and there's definitely a different vibe over here with obviously the troubles going on and certain places would have been more interested in terrorism as such than chasing down a couple of guys in modified cars to a certain extent so you probably got away with a bit more than you would have back in england yeah i can testify to that i got away with a lot of stupid things <laughs> <laughs> but it is like strange to think of people coming over here whereas we kind of grew up with it and even connor and i didn't really like our parents and stuff grew up through the real troubles and we got kind of the tail end of a bit of the silliness but not so much but we thought bomb scares and things and riots and that were kind of normal. Where until you think about it properly, it didn't enter your head to think of somebody coming over from England going, "Whoa, what is going on?" Definitely, it's uh, you take things for granted here, but then when people do come over, it's just a different world to them. Did Did you work out who the yellow Honda Civic Jordan was talking about? That you I had to get drive home. I right? couldn't actually know. Um, <laughs> I'm probably better not knowing who it is, but I'm sure somebody listening out there will know. <laughs> 
in my head I was going, who's who had a Civic? And that's the first thing when he was speaking to me about it. That's why I was like, who was that? And trying to think back on it. Was it Guy? I think it would have been before Guy's time, probably, uh, the sound of it. I think so too. It was interesting hearing about the Project cars. Like, I'll never forget Project Mad Max, the rigor kitted Corrado with the, like 11 or 12 inch rear wheels on it and stuff like that. That's right. Yeah, that thing was crazy looking. Was it purple, if I remember right? Orange. Orange, yeah. I knew it was some sort of lurry color. They probably changed it a couple of times, to be honest. Project XS. Was that the BMW, was it? Was that the White Arch BM? I think that was the White Arch 325i. Yeah. One of my favorites they ever done was the Carlton and Three Spokes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Project Thunder. That's right, yeah. I remember those, but they've been sort of before my time with them. The ones I would remember them doing would have been Millsy's XR3i, which was, a, I want to say, a Mark IV Escort. It was one of the front-wheel drive Escorts done with, uh, like, a camo print over it, which right. was a bit mad at the time. Then that actually ended up being a kind of a thing when vinyl wrapping came in in the late 2000s in the Volkswagen yeah. scene. Quite a few guys yeah. started doing a similar pattern. The, the magazine as a whole... I liked it as the fact that, first of all, you could flick through it and there'd be something you didn't like, but then there'd be something you did like. But it was like it was good to look at all the different variation of the, the car scene as such. It wasn't just, oh, here's a car like this, here's a car like that, and there's no different. But in Max Power, there was just a rainbow of different cars every edition. Yeah. It was good that way. Like. And, and it sort of opened you up to what other people are doing with different styles, and you can intermingle with different cars then. I also liked... Uh, do you remember the adver- advertisers had all the catalogs sort of half printed on double yeah. pages and stuff like that? Yeah, that, that definitely takes me back, yeah. People, kids, or I'm going to say kids, but younger people than me wouldn't remember that, but you used to, all the deals used to be in the magazine, you know, for suspension, wheels, stuff like that there, and you just sort of... That's right, and audio equipment too. Yeah, whereas now everything's click out of a button. Like, you yeah, know. you lift your phone and it's all at your fingers. When I was researching this as well, I could sort of went down a bit of... A wormhole with it one of the kits that i really liked back then was the kingdom developments do you remember those for the courses and the novas like a jap style the nova yeah oh the combat kits as well flip yeah well <laughs> i actually i found then uh it was a guy dominic miles was the guy that ran kingdom developments and he must have been quite young at the time because he's not even that old now he's actually still making kits and he's doing a white arch kits for porsches at the minute flip me yeah it's funny to think that that's what he was doing all those years ago and now he's still doing it and one thing I will, will say is they're a lot nicer than the uh, RWB kits. <laughs> not, not that that would be difficult. <laughs> Ooh, controversial. <laughs> With this episode upcoming, we sort of put out their listeners to see had anyone any experiences from back in these days or anything they wanted to share that potentially would or wouldn't get them jailed. And Let's just say a listener, shall we? Um, well, not name them, but a listener messaged in and had a bit of a story about something I'd talked about with the Max Power guys at Nuts Corner about breaking into the go-kart circuit, and here's what he had to say. At a cruise when I was only about 17 in my Toyota Starlet, it's getting late and we heard about Location X. Followed a few guys towards Nuts Corner, ended up pulling down a lane with a few other cars. One lad jumps out of the first car with a set of bolt cutters, cuts the lock off a gate and waves everybody in. Ended up being the go-kart track, went in, parked up, cars going mad, burnouts, tunes pumping... Carlton's and Sierra's tandem drifting the goat cart track, probably 150 cars. All going well until the cops turned up. Cue mass hysteria like when the cops turned up in Fast and the Furious. Oh shit, cops, 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 go, go, go. <laughs> cars everywhere driving around in circles trying to get out, only to find the cops had parked across the gate and nowhere to go. 
We were queued up. Cops were taking name. I had a sick feeling in my stomach like I'm losing my license. I'm going to jail. My parents are going to kill me. A lad jumped out of a Hilux in front of me, lifted a chain from the back, wrapped it round a gatepost to our left onto the tow bar and pulled it out of the ground. Everybody followed us out through the gap across the mart onto the road and we never left it until we hit Enniskillen. What a night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that probably wasn't an uncommon occurrence back then. (laughs) And with a few other messages in as well, their listener Buster Conrad, he messes in to say about back in the mini trucking days about doing um, highly illegal speeds upwards into three figures hanging out of vehicles and video and in photograph and other cars going past, which, again, you probably wouldn't get away with now. Ricky said about tire burning, smoke flying, lots of noise and people, oh yeah, and the police. Yeah, that's uh, very generic, but very true. That could be pretty much any weekend for us back then. One from Wayne, bringing back memories from the good old days. One memory I think I'll always have is being stopped at a roundabout exit and seeing an army green polo in my rear view mirror approaching at speed, with possibly both front wheels locked up and smoke coming from the front tyres. Thankfully, the driver managed to get stopped in time. I doubt Connor would know anything about that, though. No, I know nothing about that, <laughs> but I will say... That sounds like a very skilled driver there in the... Yes, uh, yeah, I would like to say that even though I have no involvement in any of that, he sounds like a good-looking, good pilot. You could, you could tell he was good looking from that story oh you? definitely Wayne was impressed I would say <laughs> that's, that's why he was looking in the mirror <laughs> reminds me of one of the trips coming back from UD with me in the Vento following Scotty oh yeah and he screeched to a halt at a roundabout and the brakes on the Vento were not good no and I narrowly avoided going into the back of him a couple of times actually one at the roundabout and one when he took a huff and stopped in the middle of nowhere. Do you remember that? Yeah, because we're driving across a mountain through Wales and Fluff was about three cars behind him, shining a laser pen in his, wing- in his mirrors. So he, so he stopped. just stopped dead in the middle of the road. Yeah, he didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he stopped in the middle of the road, got out, started fucking screaming at him and then jumped back into the car and took off. Sunday afternoon used to be get your car cleaned. You used to spend a couple of hours cleaning polishing your car for the Sunday night cruise like oh yeah a big part of it down here in this part of the world was Portadown cruise on a Sunday night yeah you guys would have been in Bangor we were in Portadown and occasionally you would have sort of swapped towns to see what was happening up there Bangor Sunday night was like church you just had to be there no matter what that's it yeah I think a lot of what killed that too was everyone's phone has a camera now so while someone thinks oh I'm going to record this this will be cool it gets uploaded on the internet and suddenly there's you doing a burnout, your number plate's on display and the police have it. Well, funny, you just remind me of, there was a night, I think, I think it was Rev's magazine came over, not Max Power, and everybody ended up out at uh, Malay Car Park, which is quite a long car park. Yeah. They started diffing, quarter mile racing, all the rest of it. But the traffic branch had found out about it. Okay. Turned up in plain clothes. I've started filming the whole thing. Oh, shit. <laughs> Over the next two weeks, people got summonses with video evidence of what they're up to. Ah, so someone had touted. Yeah, a boy in my work lost his license. A fellow deals cars and Newton Arge lost his license. We talked about you did get away with a lot more back then. It obviously wasn't a total blind eye turn to it. No, I think it started to become a real weekly session in the different and all. Uh-huh. And I think the, poli- I think the police 
that had enough and just turned all our tactics, basically. That's it, yeah. You'll probably find locals even reporting it, people sick of listening to it, too. It was a bad place to do it, because Malay's seen as Shankle South, Shankle Bay Sea. Yeah, you don't want to mess with the people around there. Yeah, so I think uh, it was going to end one way or another. Yeah, <laughs> the official police or the unofficial police were going to close it down. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Just like to mention that our podcast is supported once again by Reload.Global. Head over to the website Reload Global and check out some of the retro motorsport clothes and accessories. And we're pleased to announce that we have a discount for all podcast listeners. If you just enter at checkout, the code PODCAST15 gets you 15% off your order. Yeah, so head over to the website, check out our stuff. Some real cool stuff from the 80s and 90s motorsport. Designs are mainly done by 8380 Labs in America. Would really appreciate your support. Uh, first one from Ricky MJC. Remember the Max Power Night in Cumber Car Park? I don't personally, but okay. I would say <laughs> I imagine Nigel does. Many nights were enjoyed there. Yep, Cumber Cumber was the center universe for car scene, like absolutely, it still is. Yeah, now it's just Murder Central. People come to die now in Cumber. Yeah, <laughs> naturally or unnaturally. The only cruise I think I went to was that one up in Ards, the fast car one with you. Yeah, Lee and I's first ever Valentine's night together was at a fast car cruise in Ards. Oh, I remember that one. Back oh, in was t- it the cinema McDonald's? It was, yeah. Back in 2009, were you there? That's right, I was there, yeah. That's a good one, so were we, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to avoid you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a big night. There was probably well over 500 cars in that car park that night. I remember right... Uh, an import company in Belfast had a skyline up at it and we're doing like rolling burnouts down through the car park. And to be honest, the police were there that night and there was a lot of guys like heading out of the car park, throwing sideways out across the road and stuff. And there was very little police activity as in like anybody getting pulled unless you were being a real asshole. I think police resources were an issue that night, to be honest. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the night of the big accident on the motorway. Yeah, that's uh, that was an interesting night. Uh, D Lynch, idiot. If money was no object, what colour IS200 would you buy for Definitive Cruise? I'd like to field this one. Go for it. Black, because I would have burned it. So charred black would be Damn your... Yeah. You, you stole my punchline. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I actually like IS200s. Worst sounding six-cylinder engine ever. Oh, they are, ever. for sure. Now, I would take the engine out of it and put something else into it, but... For me, I would have a yellow one because I just love yellow cars. You're out of the family. They really are a pathetic engine. Like, aren't they? They're terrible for a six cylinder. I think they're a nice looking car. I just think yeah. they're fucking they're gutless. gutless bastards. Yeah. They they had the Beams engine, the Japanese model, didn't they? That's right. I they're like two hundred and twenty horsepower standard. The normal ones are like one fifty. Dimitri Garcia asks, "Would you rather win the lottery or work at the perfect job, and why?" I'd win the lottery. And make my perfect job. <laughs> That's pretty would, much what I would say too. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Just buy a workshop and just do what you love. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't play an old not work because I'd be bored out of my tree, but... Yeah. Yeah, custom bikes, custom car shop, that would do me. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. I mean, I'd probably do some of the usual property investments and stock market and all that kind of jazz, but... Yeah. Oh, don't be investing <laughs> in the stock market at the moment. No. <laughs> But time to buy, not to sell. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Trump says it's the strongest it's ever been. I think you'll find. <laughs> I, want, I want some of the drugs he's on. 
Jakey underscore one nine five asks, who can do the best burnout? Should this be a challenge? And where do I sign up to take part? I'm going to say because Nigel has a VR6 Turbo Corrado, he could do the best burnout. Yeah, he probably wins. But I think my lack of mechanical sympathy would make me win. <laughs> your, your gearbox would seize, Connor. Fuck off. <laughs> 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 to be fair, there was a lot of wheel spin on that day and it didn't help. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I've done the best burnout. I got a max power in 1988. Very true, actually, yeah. <laughs> Ronan underscore H21 asks, what's everyone's quarantine hobbies besides the obvious? And then a symbol for pleasuring oneself. Oh, <laughs> didn't know they had an emoji for that. <laughs> well, it's two. <laughs> oh, well, yes. What do you reckon, Nigel? What are you up to? My hobby is getting out to walk a dog. There's limited things you could do at home, I think. I've got a list, as I said, made up of jobs I want to do. I'm toying with the idea of breaking the Pegasus to redo them. The old dead Pegasus are on the Crado. Well, now's the time uh, to do it. I cleaned the Crado there last week, a week before. I've it all sitting nice. Hobbies, TV and walking the dog. <laughs> yeah, that sounds probably like half the country is. Here, do you know what I've started to do with my daughter? The Joe Wicks workout. You're dead to me. I've seen I've seen <laughs> some stuff that? about that. It actually looks all right. <laughs> Here, it's a tightener. Give it a go. <laughs> Nigel, no, but... I literally die. I will have a heart attack in the front room. This is a time to be fat. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, you don't need to have a swimsuit bod because you're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think for myself, it's just kibbling around the house. I've done a bit more plumbing. Same as you, just made a list of things to do and slowly working my way through it when I can be bothered. I think resources this year at the moment having the stuff to do the jobs. Yeah, definitely. I've done very little apart from work. I had all these grand plans this weekend of going to pull the Jetta down and wash it and have a bit of a look over it and so on. And yeah, I really haven't at all. But, Here. you know, maybe <laughs> maybe next week. There could be two or three months to do it, don't worry. I know. Rick V. Dub says, how is everyone surviving? Probably pretty much what we've just said. Yeah, taking it easy, looking after ourselves and... Being sensible. As sensible yep. as we can be, I guess. Yeah, well, we're not running about licking random strangers' faces, so it's pretty good, like. <laughs> Are you not? Not, not anymore. <laughs> S14OCP asks, unlimited money builds, but you can't do the work, or budget build and you do all the work? Go for it, late. Budget build and I do all the work, especially at the minute. Give me something to do. What about you, Nigel? I would sort of be a halfway house because I couldn't do all the work that I'd want to do, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I can understand that. I I couldn't say, oh, budget bill, do it all myself because I know full well in my head I couldn't do everything that I wanted to do. If I had the time, definitely budget build and do it myself. And anyone that knows me or follows me on social media will know I'm very much a builder and like I enjoy the challenge of doing something new and I don't mind if it messes up. You can try it again because it's a learning process. I don't see the point in unlimited money and Build, like what do you prove exactly and the what would the fun be other than just in owning it you know just right just signing checks that's it. <laughs> it it's not something would appeal to me i can see that the enjoyment of suddenly yeah i have all the money to do it but the fun would be out of it for me I don't, don't get me wrong it'd be nice to get somebody to build you a 2000 brake mark 4 r32 for sure <laughs> hello dr octane germany could you build me one please <laughs> yeah eight second car no problem they say Dr. Octane, I meant Don Octane. Don Octane, yeah. <laughs> uh, donkey Tech. Dr. Donkey. Ian K asks, 
Am I the only American who constantly asks what you're saying? No, but he no. is surprisingly one of the few. I've That's come to- because Connor uses his American-speaking voice when he talks on the podcast. Listeners, this is not how Connor normally talks. This yes, is my normal like voice. I'm, I'm glad you've said that, Lee. It's like talking to Connor when he has his telephone voice on. <laughs> Except more extreme. <laughs> if I spoke normally, no one would understand me. <laughs> Do you remember when we were in Helen and we were with Justine? That's right. And we were in a shop. I suppose I do it a wee bit too as well. I kind of slow down and try and speak more clearly when I'm talking to Americans. But obviously we were doing it kind of to the extreme. And then Connor and I were talking amongst ourselves about something. And Justine was just looking at us like you guys just started talking in a foreign language. (laughs) Yeah. Another listener, Reckon Ralph. I've been chatting to Ralph online for three or four years now. He said something similar when he heard Lee and I talking between ourselves that he was just like, I don't know what you guys are saying. So, yes, appreciate everyone appreciate that I am making the effort here. Was Ralph just nodding his head and smiling a lot when you were talking to him? Probably, yeah. He's a polite guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have a series of questions here from FF Metalworks. Dennis. Shout out to Dennis. Connor's Dennis. Canadian brother. He is, yes. He's uh, my doppelganger and fellow podcaster. First question is, where did the name Reload come from? Thank so, you. Nigel, I think you can answer that one. Well, as you know from our sponsor is Reload. Um, it's a business me and my business partner Colin run. Where did it come from? Well, what, what we sell or what we have on our site is designs from the past motorsport, so it's going back. Um, we just sort of toyed with a few ideas and we just thought, reload, you know, reload the past. Yeah. Basically, we sort of came up with it. Uh, next question from Dennis. Do you wish you guys had big American V8s available to drop into projects? Answer, yes. Yeah, I would go with a I would go with a yes as well. Absolutely. Particularly at the minute. I'm watching I've said a couple of podcasts is Driftworks YouTube channel. Uh-huh. And they have the finance and the means to randomly buy LS engines and play about with V eights and V tens. One thing yeah. that really impresses me with the V eights and the LS stuff is the aftermarket support for them. I think about watching Gas Monkey and stuff where they're just buying these inverted commas crate motors yeah. which are like hellcats and demon engines and stuff and just firing them into whatever and i'm like oh i wish i could do that yeah it'd be great just straight but in no messing the, the las engine i stand to be correct and i probably will be but the las engine is just a, a development of an absolutely fantastic designed engine it's just been evolved and evolved and evolved and you can just tune them and they're reliable it's just a fantastic engine yeah, it amazes me how many different vehicles they came in. Now, I know the different numbers after the LS donates like different things, whether it's horsepower, whether it's a steel block or aluminium block, and that obviously dictates how expensive they are. But if you want just an LS as in a V8 just to stick into something, you can go and buy like a Chevy van and away you go. I was actually watching a video on YouTube, and it was actually TJ Hunt of all people on YouTube. He's out in the West Coast of America, and he has got a C8 Corvette, one of the new ones. Uh-huh. And he raced his friend's Toyota Supra, which has a hybrid turbo and software and exhaust. Yeah. He's in a standard C8, and he walked away from it. And what Supra was that? Like a Mark IV, the older style? or the... No, no, the, the, the latest generation. Or oh, the Supra. new Supra? Very good. That'll not look good for it. No. So you can buy a C8. I think it's about $60,000, am I right? Yeah, how cheap those things are is crazy. Now, like anything, it's probably you can spec it up as high as you want, but to get into an entry model, like 
that's that's crazy. What's that in our money? About fifty grand. Uh, sixty thousand dollars would be fifty grand, but then by the time you add import stuff, it'll probably be closer to here ninety yeah. pounds over here. It's still a lot of car for the money. I just think that's one of the things when you're in America that they probably take for granted, and it it's incredible to us. It's just all those big engines and everything, big petrol engines like that. Do you remember the hotel shuttle bus? That's right. The time we were in Albany that took us down to the airport or down to the train station. Yeah. And it was just like. Over here, it would have been a transit minibus, like a big diesel transit. And it was like a big V8. He wasn't afraid of the thing. Like, he was just absolutely flooring it in every gear. It yeah. Was great. He was telling us about racing V6 Mustangs in it. <laughs> but over there, they just, we don't get that, you know, and they just think it's normal. But every time I'm there, I just am listening to the sounds of the cars going past and it's just incredible. That's one thing I actually noticed about when we were in Helen for Alpine Vagfer. Everything that rolled past was petrol and usually had some sort of exhaust on it. So it's just a nice burble off things, you know, where you, you could hear R32s, VR6s, 3.6s, 20 valve turbos where over here it's like, oh, another Ratley Mark IV. But it's like <laughs> over there you'd see like a granny driving past in a... 20 valve turbo mark yeah, 4 and yeah. it's just like that's just the norm because that's the kind of higher spec trim level if you know what i mean but yeah whereas over here my granny drives like a ecotech astra or something you know but it's the highest trim level but it's by no means a great engine no <laughs> well you have petrol taxation and eu regulations to thank, thank for that one yeah yep. thanks guys uh next question from dennis is supercharger or turbo hypercharger on application Superchargers very effective in certain applications. Looking back, I wish I had supercharged the VR6 rather than turbocharged. Yeah, there's slightly less power, but even just to bolt on, like pretty much, I think a lot of people are saying there that you can take an R32 with a Vortex charger and just bolt it on in an afternoon. It's probably to do the turbo that's in mind. It's too much of a sledgehammer of a turbo, but I've drove supercharged VR6s and it's a lovely linear progressive power delivery, very usable. Yeah, and then you'd be used to the power delivery in the, the Edition 30. You've been in my crowd, and it's just like rev, 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 and then it's just like a baseball bat of power comes in. Yeah, it boost hits you. It's good fun, though. It is, but if you want to drive it hard, you have to be careful. I've never owned anything charged, so because of my love of a sporty diesel, I'm going to say turbo. There you go. Anything for a bit of power. <laughs> he also asks, what's the current price of petrol? Has actually come down a lot recently. Found a yeah, Found a liter in most places now. Yeah, which is, I mean, up till a month ago, it about was four, like one twenty at least. Yeah, that works. That works out about four dollars a gallon, something like that, doesn't it? Yeah, multiplied by, by four point five currency. Yeah, about four dollars, wouldn't it be? Thereabouts. Then you have to remember their gallons are three point five liters instead of four point five in our case. Well, that's interesting. So then it's more like three dollars. But then again, our petrol, without being disparaging, is much, much better quality yeah, than ours, American. That's a myth. That's a myth. I, I disagree. Their octane, <laughs> octane rating is different to ours. Oh, really? So, like a yeah. 87 octane, say, there is a different... It's 93. Ah. I was watching a video about this. Their octane rating is different rating. So when they say 87, their 87 is like a 92, 93 here. Okay, right. But is a lot of their petrol not topped up with alcohol as well? There is that, yes. Yeah, 10% alcohol in the fuel there. Oh, I trust Lee to talk about alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always 10% topped up with alcohol. 
Actually, is it alcohol or ethanol? Well, eth- it, yeah, ethanol. But yeah, same sort of thing. But the, but if the cars are mapped for it, yeah, it doesn't really make that much difference. Like my Swift that I used to have, you had to run it on super. Because if you didn't, it ran like a pig, and it was just the way it was mapped. It so was just the way it was. Ninety-seven octane. Yeah, and you, and it was it really was a noticeable difference. And back then, when I had it, sort of between what two thousand and seven, eight, nine. Yeah. But yeah, about two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, I owned that car. Right when the recession was hitting, and petrol prices are just—I mean, back then, super was about one twenty-five a liter. Like it was crazy. Yeah, but you that, just you had yeah. to do it because the car just. If you didn't, it didn't like it at all. Funny, funny you say that. I remember back in the late nineties, the big Japanese import sort of era. You know, they were bringing cars directly from Japan and Dublin port. Yeah, they're bringing started turbos, STI Subarus, uh, SIR CRXs, and a couple of boys bought them. And you had to run them in super unleaded because there was different grade of fuel in Japan and different. Um, set up of the cars, you had to run them in super unleaded, and there was a lot of Subarus came to Grim End because boys just run them on ninety three petrol and the detonated. That, the, yeah, I knew a lot of people who had to run octane boosters and stuff. Yeah, because you know there was just no other way to do it. Yeah, that was one the same. Of friend, one of my friends had a SIR uh, CRX VTEC. He had to run super unleaded. The VTEC would intermittently work if he didn't. That's a strange one. That's that's really weird because. Yep. That car could have been mapped in Japan. He didn't know it. Yeah, true. It might have been factory map on it. Um, and the ECU just maybe shut it down or whatever. You know when it. When I first you. when I first started seeing Lee back in two thousand and nine, I had a white classic shape in Predsa. I think that car was in ninety seven. I think, but it had to be run on super as well. And at the time, I was in university. I was I was broke, a skint and. The fuel then was super, as Lee says, was about £1.25 a litre. And it absolutely killed me because it was so hard on it. But that's the you get for flexing. Yeah. <laughs> She's still with me 10 years later. There we go. Yeah, but you were running the, the pickup on red. So. Yeah, I ran the pickup on red for years. <laughs> so, <it's gone. laughs> so it made up for it. <laughs> oh, dear. Go on ahead, Lee. Um, another one from Dennis. When are you having your Canadian doppelganger on the show? Yeah, so anyone that doesn't know, Dennis has a podcast called Late Night Podcast, and it's about machining, does a lot of mostly industrial work, but not adverse to doing a few car things as well. He's done a lot of custom gear knobs and things like that, so it could be an interesting guest to have on at some point for us. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's also a big car guy. He's big into his Volkswagens. He's a Mark One Rabbit. He's a Corrado as well, and I'm think if man I, of impeccable taste con or something ex- exactly <laughs> yes and a few uh, american classics as well so somebody we can have a good chat with nerds nerds cancel <laughs> that one in and last one from dennis is does ireland produce any maple syrup or is it just imported i'm pretty sure it's imported i don't think we have maple trees here i meant to look that up and i didn't but i don't think we do no how many maple trees here no, well, you be in the know with being in the uh, in the industry, so you'd be good. I'm going to be honest. I like golden syrup. Golden syrup. That man will never listen again. Well, Sorry, Dennis. My daughter's addicted to maple syrup and pancakes, so... Well, there you go. She can be friends with Dennis. Yeah. Maple syrup's good. Golden syrup's better. I probably don't know the difference, to be fair. <laughs> I think that is 
all the questions. That's us all wrapped up. Thanks very much again, guys. All the questions. Good crack. Yeah, I hear the questions is definitely my favorite part of it. Simply because we don't have to research anything, but you can just talk shit and have a laugh. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think that'll do us for this episode then, guys. There's been a lot covered there, and hopefully with the impending apocalypse happening, even though it'll cut down probably some of the content that we had planned, we can offset that and try and get something else in to keep people going. Hopefully provide. Adapt and overcome, Connor. That's what we'll do. We'll adapt and overcome. That's it, yeah. There's a few interviews I'd like to do still with people, and I'll probably try and keep those to have those people in the studio with us because it'll be a, a better dynamic for people. Yeah, but, I think so. Yeah, but definitely with a few things lined up, should still keep us going for a while and hopefully keep people entertained. Well, there's a lot of people have been sending us content to the podcast to watch. So if anybody wants to fire videos, documentaries, any, anything our way, it's always good to share. Yeah, by all means. Build the community. That's it, yeah, and that's exactly what it's all about. As always, then, you can follow us collectively at Relo Podcast. Myself, I can be found on Instagram as at Connor McCann. I'm at MaxwellHouse46. And I'm at VDubBoy. Once again, thanks very much, people, for listening, and we'll catch you again. Cheers. Good luck. Thanks very much, guys. Bye. Look after yourself. Stay He's the man whose name you'd love to touch, but you mustn't touch. His name sounds good in your ear, but when you say it, you mustn't fear, cause his name can be said by anyone. Nah.